We're driven by the search for better. But when it comes to hiring, the best way to search for a candidate isn't to search at all. Don't search match with Indeed. Indeed is your matching and hiring platform with over 350 million global monthly visitors, according to Indeed data, and a matching engine that helps you find quality candidates fast. Ditch the busy work. Use Indeed for scheduling, screening, and messaging so you can connect with candidates faster. Leveraging over 140 million qualifications and preferences every day, Indeed's matching engine is constantly learning from your preferences, so the more you use Indeed, the better it gets. Join more than 3.5 million businesses worldwide that use Indeed to hire great talent fast. And listeners of this show will get a $75 sponsored job credit to get your jobs more visibility at Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Just go to Indeed.com slash BlueWire right now and support our show by saying that you heard about Indeed on this podcast. That's Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Terms and conditions apply. Need to hire? You need Indeed. Hello, everyone, and welcome to the Spurs Up show, Best Game Cox podcast on the internet. Today is Wednesday, May the 12th, 2021. Today's show I break down last night's game as the Gamecocks come up just short of the season and series sweep of the Clemson Tigers falling 7-2 to two in the Tuesday midweek contest at Doug Kingsmore Stadium, guys. I'll break down the game in its entirety, just what went right and what went mainly wrong for South Carolina. Also, I'll break down TSUS midweek MVP, what's next for South Carolina baseball. Also, do have some news and notes I want to dive into, including transfers hitting Carolina baseball, obviously, Earlier this week, us finding out outfielder Brandon Fields, right-handed pitcher Travis Loonsman, and left-handed pitcher Mag Cotto entering the transfer portal. Guys, I want to tell you all what I'm hearing. Give my thoughts on it, why the sky is not falling around Gamecocks baseball. Update you on that situation. Also, updates on the Bob Caslin situation. What in the world is going on with President Bob Caslin and around the University of South Carolina, guys? I'll talk about that, touch on that much more here on a Wednesday, guys. It's all brought to you by our friends over at Upstate Movers Group. Guys, Upstate Movers Group, superior moving service. They bring care and attention on the companies can't offer because they're just too busy maintaining trucks and profiting off of them instead of focusing on service. Guys, service is what separates Upstate Movers Group from the competition. They're not a trucking company. They're a moving services company and they're also employee-owned co-op. Their movers are paid twice the industry average, and everyone on the crew is invested in your success. They have dedicated professional crew members, and they also offer black glove service. They offer end-to-end packing services, custom crating and packaging for special items, and cleaning services as well. They're founded by Greenville Natives and University of South Carolina alumni guys, so a Gamecock-owned small business. They also offer 20 years of project management moving experience, and they can offer logistics and solutions that traditional moving companies simply do not have the skills for. Guys, whether in the upstate or across the state of South Carolina, if you have any moving needs in 2021, be sure to check out our friends over at Upstate Movers Group. You can find them on social media at Upstate Movers Group. Of course, if you have any other questions, go to their website, upstatemoversgroup.com. That's upstatemoversgroup.com. Be sure to check them out and tell them Chris from the Spurs Up show sent you. Let's get it.
gents, boys and girls. Hope you are doing well. Happy Wednesday. Happy hump day. I'm your host, Chris Phillips, the Spurs Up Show. As always, appreciate you guys tuning in. Hope you're doing as well and are as happy as I am here today on this Wednesday. Because, you know, in life, there are certain things that happen, circumstances, situations, if you will, where you can look at things glass half empty or glass half full, right? You can see the bright side of things or you can see the negative and the dark side of things. I am one. I choose to see the positive. And I come to you today not upset, not angry, not pissed off, which I'm sure many of you are thinking I'm going to be today. I come to you saying, hey, guys, our state, our state. The Gamecocks run the state of South Carolina in baseball in the year 2021. And by God, I am going to die on that hill. Again, folks, thank you so much for tuning in. Appreciate it. Hope you're all doing well. Wherever this finds you, I hope it finds you well, whether you're on the commute, you're at work, you're in the office, you're on the way home, maybe you got the day off. Whatever it is, guys, hope you're having a fantastic hump day, a fantastic Wednesday. And again, I know a lot of you are probably tuned in expecting me to be pissed off and, and kicking and screaming and being upset. Guys, I'm really not. I'm really, really not. But, but of course, it is South Carolina State. We do run this state, which, by the way, a quick shameless plug, TSUS.store. We dropped the official Our State t-shirts on the store late last night after the Gamecocks lost, believe it or not, which I just thought that was so funny. And I, By the way, guys, I've been waiting to drop those Our State t-shirts, the baseball series, since game two ended in February. I was like, okay, we're dropping Our State t-shirts. I just want to wait until we have an official game three score to put on the shirt, but we're 120% dropping our state t-shirts for this baseball series. So that was something that was always in the works, that was always planned. And my guy hit me up that does my graphics for my merchandise and was like, all right, I've got this idea for, you know, if we sweep Clemson, let's do this. And we'll have a, a yard yard cock sweeping up uh, purple and orange, you know, you know, dust or whatever. We'll do this, we'll do that. And as the game went on, I was like, no, do we, we, I was like, we should be celebrating either way. It's our state. We won the series. We took two out of three. Those two games in February, they happened. So I was like, hey, let's put, let's put it together. Let's make sure we're doing an R-State t-shirt for the series dub as well. Because like I said, in the year 2021, the state of South Carolina in baseball belongs to the Gamecocks. So the R-State t-shirts, they are on the online store, guys. Again, that's TSUS.store, TSUS.store. By the way, guys, I want to plug this really quickly as well. Stay tuned for some awesome giveaways that will be dropping today. And later this week, guys, we're partnering up with our good friends, our newest partner, Dason and Shalabi Law Firm. We're going to be giving away a Beamer Ball t-shirt to one lucky winner. A Beamer Ball t-shirt to one lucky winner, guys. Very excited about that. Also, we're doing all of our giveaways with Apex Art Design. I'm really, I feel really fortunate, really blessed that I have partners and have sponsors that want to do fun stuff like that. So, be sure to stay tuned to that. We're probably going to do giveaways like every single week uh, for different merchandise and different things and stuff like that, different art pieces with Apex Art and Design, stuff like that. So again, stay tuned to that, but you should see it sometime today, the Beamer Ball giveaway. It's going to be a Beamer Ball t-shirt, which of course right now is very much a hot ticket item with Shane Beamer and the countdown to kickoff being on. So again, just stay tuned to that, guys. A lot of exciting stuff happening content-wise, merch-wise, business-wise, you name it. Things are good right now. Things are good in the world of TSUS. But again, we got to talk about it. Like I said, it's our state. South Carolina wins the series two out of three, but we got to talk about the game last night. Gamecocks falling to the Clemson Tigers by a final score of seven 
to two at Doug Kingsmore Stadium. Clemson with seven runs on six hits and one error. The Gamecocks with two runs on eight hits and one error. Now, the question is, what went wrong last night? Like I said, let's talk about the game. We can't ignore the fact Clemson beat you in that final game. You had a chance to sweep and could not get the job done. Guys, you just did everything you cannot do. If you're going to go on the road, beat your arch rival, sweep a series, you know, because Clemson backs against the wall. They're trying to avoid embarrassment. They don't want to get swept, especially don't want to get swept on their home field. They're a 500 ball club that's searching for wins. They're trying to boost their posts and resume. I mean, this was a desperate Clemson team last night. I'm not saying the Gamecocks weren't trying to win the game. Of course they were. But to win a ball game like this, you've got to do certain things. And you did everything you could not do in the game if you were going to win. You left 13 guys on base last night. Runners in scoring position. Lack of situational hitting. How many times did you have guys on second or on third or on second and third with less than two outs and you couldn't drive them in? Hey, you made a big-time error. Danny Lloyd, I think he made the right decision. Mark Kingston said in postgame he did make the right decision by throwing over to third. I thought it was going to be a great play. Throws it away. It just can't happen. They scored two runs off that, and I thought that was a big momentum-changing, momentum-shifting play in that game. Just can't happen. You got to make the throw. If you're going to go to third, you got to make the throw. You also walked six guys. You hit some batters. You just did a lot of things that you cannot do and win a baseball game like that. And listen, I don't think Clemson's some world beater by any means. I mean, their record speaks for itself. Their statistics, they speak for themselves. But Clemson's still an ACC quality opponent. And when you do things like I mentioned, leaving runners on base, not capitalizing when runners are in scoring position, not having any sense of situational hitting, and on the mound, you do some different things. You know, you walk guys, you give them free chances, and you make an error. You make, you know, errors in the field. You know, you're not going to win many games that way. You're not going to win any games that way. So, like I said, you did everything you couldn't do to win the ball game. I worry more so less about what happened last night in the sense of that game. Because, like I said, you already won the series. You won two out of three. It's our state. You know, whoop-de-doo, whatever. I think moving forward, though, because we all know how important this weekend is and next weekend and where you are in the SEC and what you have to do to lock down a hosting bid and to boost your postseason resume, if you will. We know what you got to do, right? We've talked about it over and over and over again. You got to go four and two. You got to go at least three and three, but really you need to go four and two or better. And leaving 13 guys on base. And I said this after the Mississippi State series, but I'll say it again. You know, this new wave and this new age of baseball with analytics and spin rate and exit velo and launch angle and all those fancy things that they are measuring now. I think they're very important. I think knowing as much information as you can is only beneficial. I think it's really beneficial to know all of those statistics. If you ignore the information, you are ignoring a very, very big piece. It's supposed to be there to help you, right? But, and I don't think this is just a South Carolina baseball thing. I think this is like the new culture of baseball thing is that we're so caught up in these numbers and these measurables. And like I said, like exit velo and launch angle and all these different things. And we all know that Mark Kingston, he loves the analytics. He makes decisions based off the analytics. And he is not the only baseball coach, guys. Because again, I think as a coach, you have to factor those numbers in. Now, there's got to be a fine balance. You know, you, I don't think you can be too heavy one way or the other. Like, you can't just be all analytical and not have baseball instinct, right? 
and not have savvy and not have experience. At the same token, you can't just be, oh, I'm just an instinctual guy. I'm going to completely ignore what the numbers say. No, you got to be somewhere in the middle. You got to be somewhere in the middle. But again, I think it's a culture of baseball thing, not just a South Carolina baseball thing, but it's bled in the South Carolina, of course. Guys are so worried about launch angle, and they're so worried about exit velo. I don't give a damn about those things, to be honest with you. I really don't. I don't give a damn anymore. I love power. I love the home run, guys. I love it. I love the home run. But with this Gamecocks baseball team, and I don't know if it's too late. I don't know if this is something that, and I'm sure Mark Kingston and that coaching staff, I want to believe they're saying this too, but give me nine productive ball players in the lineup. The power's going to be there. We've got big, strong guys that can drive the baseball out of the yard. But less power, more productivity. You know, again, those numbers, all those fancy things with the analytics, that's all great and dandy. But if you're not a productive baseball player, if you cannot do the little things right at the plate, we're going to talk specifically hitting. If you cannot situationally hit, you cannot play. You cannot be in the lineup, guys. If you've got a guy on third with less than two outs and you cannot understand a situation and you cannot even put the baseball in play to give your team a chance to drive that run in, you shouldn't have a spot in the lineup. You just flat out shouldn't. And I know baseball's changed. Like I said, it's all about the home run now. Fans want to see guys throwing 100 miles an hour, and they want to see guys hit 500-foot bombs. And that's all fine and dandy. Hey, the big league level, you can do that because guys do hit 500-foot bombs, and they do throw 100. Fine, whatever. But this is the college game. And these are not big leaguers. You're not big leaguers, right? We all know that. You're not big leaguers. You're college players. And one of the big reasons Clemson beat you last night is because – they had productive at-bats. They didn't do anything crazy. They didn't do anything fancy. Hell, you didn't give up a hit until the fifth inning. But perfect example, first and third, one out, I believe it was. Uh, the guy that subbed in for Teodosio, whatever, what was his name again? It was, uh, it was let's see, it was uh, J.D. Brock. J.D. Brock that subbed in, right? Left-handed hitting J.D. Brock. He gets down 0-2, first and third, one out. Instead of striking out, what does he do? He fists one down the third baseline, no man's land. It scores a run. He gets the RBI. Now it's first and second one out. That's the type of things we're not doing right now in the sense of just, hey, it's two strikes. Shorten up. Make contact. Put it in play. And especially, like I said, if it's less than two outs and you have a guy in scoring position, for the love of God, make a productive out. Nothing good happens when you strike out. And I'm not one of these people that's going to complain about, oh, my God, you know, strikeouts are going to happen. Guys have filthy stuff. Like, strikeouts are going to happen, and I totally understand that. But at some point, again, you left 13 guys on base. And, again, I'm not even, like, I'm not upset first things first, but I'm not even bothered in the sense of we lost to Clemson. I'm more so bothered because I'm just tired of seeing this trend go on, and I don't want to see it any longer, man. Because if you keep it up, hey, you won two or three against Clemson. Who gives a damn? But if you keep doing this, you're going to go up to Lexington and get your ass whooped, and you're going to lose two or three, and then all of a sudden, your postseason chances are going to look real slim. 
They're going to look real bleak. So to hell with the game last night, whatever. But it's just this disturbing trend of why do we not have hitters who are more productive? To hell with the homer, man. The homer's great. The home run is great. It is. I love hitting bombs. I love having lineups that can hit bombs. I loved the Ray Tanner teams of just, I mean, Justin Smoke's my all-time favorite Gamecock. Justin Smoke, Phil Disher, Reese Havens, Darnell, Grindstaff, Drew Chris, all these guys that can hit the baseball a freaking thousand feet. I loved watching those teams. But there's a time and place for the home run, and there's a time and place for a productive at-bat. Power has its place in this game, but so does productivity. And we got to find a way to get more guys that are productive. And I think we have guys in this lineup that can be productive. And I'm not sitting here saying, oh, it's just easy to hit a baseball. Oh, just make contact. I understand it's hard, but there's no excuse at this stage in the season for us to be this bad at situational hitting. There's just no excuse. There's none, no excuse. And I know it's something they practice. I know it's something they practice. There's no excuse to be this bad at situational hitting. None. I mean, every coach from every level preaches this stuff. Guy on second, nobody out. What are you trying to do? If you're a right-handed hitter, hit the ball to the right side. Guy on third, infield back, less than two outs. What are you trying to do? Hit a ground ball in the middle, hit a fly ball to the outfield, get him to score. Hey, guy on third, less than two outs, infield in. What are you trying to do? Hit a ball to the outfield. I mean, it's, it's, it's elementary. It's elementary. No coach is out there saying, hey, I don't give a damn what the situation is. Go swing out of your shoes. Nobody's saying that. Nobody is. So we've just got to do a better job executing when it comes to situational hitting because that's why you lost the game last night. I really, truly believe if you're able to blow that one open early, if you're able to get a big knock, which we cannot buy a timely knock right now. We cannot buy one. I mean, when is the last time we got a big two-out knock outside of, you know, the Sunday walk-off, which was great. I'm not taking anything away from that. That was obviously awesome. And I, I, I like this team. I trust this team. This team fights, battles, all those good things I've said about them. But, man, I mean, it just feels like forever. Like, we just, we are allergic to timely knocks right now. Two outs and a man on second. My God, how about lace one in the gap one time? When is the last time we did that? You know? So, like I said, that's one of the reasons, that's one of the biggest reasons you lost this game last night, but it goes so far beyond losing this game to Clemson. I am more so worried about going into this weekend and going into next weekend and going into SEC tournament play and going into postseason play. If you're going to win big baseball games and you're going to make a run in the postseason, you have got to be able to situationally hit. The home run is a bonus. You've got big, strong hitters that are going to run into bombs. That is a bonus. That should not, you should not be living and dying literally off of the home run. I mean, this is a team that only scores via the home run. And it's, and it's just absurd. I'm over here about to knock over my desk. I'm getting so into it. I mean, it's just absurd. Like I said, I love the bomb. 
but you've got to find a way to be more productive. And like I said, I know it goes back to the culture of baseball right now. Throw that out. Who gives a damn about your exit velo? Who gives a damn about your launch angle? I don't give a damn if the ball comes off the bat at 50 miles an hour. If you get a base knock, that is what matters. That's what matters. That's it, period. That's it. So we've got to find a way at the plate. And I don't know if this is a a mindset change, if it's just simply a lack of execution, if it is a change in approach. I'm not sure. But we've got to find a way to be more productive as hitters. We're powerful. Hey, we're powerful. Hey, Jeff Heinrich hit a bomb. Hit his first bomb of the season. We're powerful. We got power up and down the lineup. But you know what we're lacking right now? We're lacking productivity. There's got to be a mindset shift because all of these guys, they wouldn't be at this level if they were not capable of being productive hitters. Every single one of them. You wouldn't be at this level if you couldn't be a productive hitter. So we'll see if that can change. You know, on the mound, listen, I thought the Gamecocks did enough to win. I know the score looks a little bit lopsided at 7-2. to um, But, you know, I thought the pitching staff overall, you know, you had the two-run score via the error. But, I, you know, with – and this is with no, no disrespect to these guys. With who you threw – because, listen, you can say whatever you want. Like, we didn't throw our A-team, did we? I mean, is anybody going to deny that? C.J. Wines, Danny Lloyd, Wesley Sweat, John Gilreath, Parker Coyne, and Jared Bennett. Shout out to Jared Bennett, by the way. Getting in there, throwing some 83-mile-an-hour gas – Struck out the side, by the way, putting on for the soft toss and lefties. How about Jarrett Bennett on the road? But, you know, I mean, we didn't throw our A team or anything like that. I mean, it was obvious. You know, if you listen to Mark Kinks in the postgame, too, he's, he, was, he was very, very excited to tell the media that everybody is ready to go for the weekend. All of our relievers, they are ready to go. Everyone's ready. Even the guys that threw last night will be ready. Because, hey, the guy that threw the most pitches was C.J. Wines, who threw 45. You know, Danny Lloyd threw 39. You know, Kingston said he probably won't be available to go Friday, but should be able to go Saturday and Sunday. You know, outside of that, Wesley Sweat threw 26, Coyne threw 17, Bennett threw 18, and Gilry threw 11. So, those guys will all be ready to go. And I told you guys it was going to be kind of a Johnny Holstaff type of night, if you will. But, hey, those guys got to be better, too. Six walks. Can't happen. Six walks. Had nine strikeouts, but six walks. A wild pitch, three hit by pitches. Hey, nine free bases for these guys. You give away free 90s, it's going to bite you. It's going to bite you, bottom line. Can't give away free 90s. And then that error in the field. Like I said, I like the play Danny Lloyd made. I like the decision. I love the decision. Very aggressive. Hey, if you're going to make a mistake, make an aggressive mistake. But you paid for it dearly. You got to make the throw. Got to hit him in the chest. But again, Let's not lose sight of the bigger picture because SEC Football Tube, shout out to him. SEC Football Tube asked me in the live stream, watch along, which appreciate you all tuning in. I had a blast. It was great, as always, and we'll be doing, doing them again all weekend long. But SEC Football Tube asked me, Chris, are you going to just talk about the game that happened last night or talk about the series as a whole? And in closing on this game and wrapping this up, putting a bow on it and putting a bow on the 2021 South kind of Clemson baseball series, I do want to remind everyone 
that despite what any Clemson fans may tell you, this was one game of a three-game set. So I want to remind you, the Gamecocks won two out of three. It is still our state. South Carolina owns the state when, in regards to baseball for the 2021 season. Period, point blank, end of discussion. So fans, I know some of you, a lot of you probably are upset. You're frustrated. I'm not happy with how the game went last night, but I'll tell you, it was a really weird, interesting feeling. It was a great feeling, actually. To come into that game last night, I can tell you this. I will say this, and I would have said this even if South Carolina had lost the first two. I really just hate that that game last night got moved to when it did. Because I'll be honest, it really, in my opinion, took away a lot of the intensity and excitement that I felt in those two games in February. I mean, dude, I was like literally on the edge of my seat. I have not been that nervous all season. Like the way I was at the Sunday game at Founders Park when I was there in person, I have not been that nervous all season. Again, not even close. Like edge of my seat, legs shaking, pit in my stomach. Like that felt like a super regional at Founders Park. And to move the game one to yet to last night, it just it took away some of the some of the shine. You know what I mean? Like it just, it just. I don't know. It, it, it just did not have the same feel. Granted, it was still big. It was still intense. Don't get me wrong. But, you know, it did not have the same feel. No questions asked. But, yes, like SEC Football 2 brought up, was I going to talk about just the game last night or the series as a whole? Hey, yeah, both. Because you lost last night. It sucks. I wanted the sweep. You wanted the sweep. We all wanted the sweep. But the Gamecocks won two out of three. Do not let recency bias make you forget that. Don't let stupid, silly Clemson fans make you forget that. Guys, you have my permission, and I'm encouraging you to do so. Guys, if you run into a Clemson fan bragging about the game last night to the point of, you know, saying, oh, we're, we're just a better team than y'all. If we played you two more now, we it's obvious we're the better team. Oh, this is a different thing because this one's more important later in the year. and It doesn't count the difference here. You have my permission, and I'm encouraging you to just laugh hysterically at them. Just laugh. That's all you can really do is laugh. Because to say that this is like some – listen, this was game one of the three-game set. So congratulations, Clemson. You won game one. But that means you just lost game two and three, and we beat you in walk-off fashion in both. So, yes, the Gamecocks won two out of three. You would have loved to have gotten a sweep, but am I surprised going on the road and facing a desperate Clemson team? Am I surprised they won last night necessarily? No, I'm not. I'm not totally shocked. But it feels good, if nothing else, guys, like I said, here on a Wednesday, May the 12th, 2021, as of today, as of this season, and until next year when these two teams play each other on the diamond yet again, the Gamecocks own the state in college baseball for the next year. Our state, baby. Our state. Just want to remind you guys really quickly of that. All right, let's move into TSUS midweek MVP, guys. And this one... I want to give it a right-handed pitcher, C.J. Wines. And C.J.'s a guy, you know, had not pitched a lot at all before this past weekend. Hadn't pitched a lot coming into this game last night, making his first career start, and I thought he was fantastic. 2.2 inning pitch, zero hits, zero runs, zero earned runs, three walks, 
and two strikeouts. I mean, he gave you everything you could have asked for. I mean, the Gamecocks pitching staff didn't even give up a hit until like the fifth inning. But C.J. Wines, I thought starting for you, did everything you could have asked and more. Um, the fastball was really, really, really good. He lived down in the zone. The breaking stuff was working. He kept Clemson hitters off balance. I thought, I thought, I thought he did a really, really good job. So C.J. Wines, our TSUS midweek MVP. Congratulations, C.J. All right, let's move into what's next for South Carolina baseball. And like I told you guys, a huge weekend upcoming in Lexington, Kentucky. Huge weekend. I know I sound like a broken record. I've been saying that over and over and over and over and over again the last couple of weekends, but, man, they all get bigger. They all get bigger and bigger and bigger, and this one is just the latest. Traveling to Kentucky, a three-game set. You got the games in the course on tomorrow's show. We'll break down the series in its entirety, and then Friday I'll give my prediction. But you've got the game Friday at 6.30, Saturday at 2, and then Sunday at 1 o'clock. Kentucky, one of those teams. A really, really good middle-of-the-pack SEC ball club. A series that, hey, like I told you guys, you broke down the SEC schedule in the preseason. A series that, hey, you feel like we should win. They're 50-50. Let's just not get swept. I put Kentucky in the one that you should win the series. You should in that first category. But there's still things you got to shore up. You got to be better on the mound. You got to be better defensively. But most of all, like I mentioned earlier, you've got to find a way to be more productive at the plate. For the love of God, please, <laughs> I'm begging you, more productivity at the plate. we got to see it. We've got to see it. All right, let's move to some news and notes really quickly, guys, before we get out of here. One thing I want to touch on, you know, it happened as I was recording the show yesterday, actually. So uh, it was kind of one of those things. It was hard to add it in late. But I do want to touch on this because transfers, have hit Gamecocks baseball. And, I, and I'll tell you guys this before I even get going into this. You know, <clears throat> I think you guys know my lane ha has never been, is not to be and has never been to be the, the quote-unquote insider guy, right? I mean, I literally have a T-shirt that has, quote, insider on it, like making fun of it or making light of it, if you will. I don't knock people that are actual insiders that have connects, but I've just never viewed myself as that guy. And, I, you know, I, I don't try to be that. That's not, that's not my lane, if you will, right? But I will say, I do have people that are very, very, very close to Gamecocks baseball, and I will just leave it at that. So I got a text on Monday. It was around 1.30 or so, basically saying, hey, man, just so you know, shit's hitting the fan at the facility today. We got four to six lockers cleaned out, guys hitting the transfer portal, and some cuts, some player cuts. And I'm like, oh, boy, here we go. So him and I started going back and forth. And I, I kind of figured some of the – I figured Brandon Fields would be gone. I thought maybe a Loonsman. The Magcato one really, really surprised me. And so, of course, that came out later in the day, about 3.30 or 4 o'clock or so on Monday afternoon. Like I said, outfielder Brandon Fields, right in the pitcher Travis Loonsman, and left in the pitcher Magcato, all hitting the transfer portal. Now – I'll start with this. In regards to the cuts, I don't know. That's just what he told me. I don't know which players it may be. We also talked back and forth, and he said it might have something to do with the fact that, hey, they're out of school now. They're having to basically pay for them to be on campus. Money restricts. I, I don't know. I don't know how that would make any sense. But anyways, as far as the cuts, I don't think it's going to be anybody that we've seen play this year. Let's put it that way. But the transfers hit. And, of course, in, in – 
typical fashion, you know, fans are worried. They're concerned. They're wondering about the state of the program and what's going on. Oh, my God. You see these, you know, you see all these headlines and rumors and things going down. Oh, my God. What's going on with Gamecocks baseball? Is everything okay? What in the world is happening? And I'll tell you guys this. I want to give my take on it because, again, I saw a lot of people hitting the panic button, right? You know, we haven't been playing great baseball of late. and You know, you have some guys that were some top prospects, especially a guy like Brandon Fields, man, ranked the top 50 prospect coming to Carolina. Here's the thing, guys. I think you need to buckle up because I think this is the new norm when it comes to college athletics. The transfer portal has forever changed the way that college athletics operate. And I'll say this too, even when I played college baseball, I mean, guys transferred. Heck, I transferred. I don't know if y'all knew that. After my junior year, I transferred. So it happens. You know, everybody has different situations, whether they're not playing as much as they want to. Maybe they don't get along with the coaches. They got there and it's maybe not what they thought it would be. They just want a better opportunity, more playing time. Everybody has their own reasoning. But, of course, it's going to draw some opinions and some eyeballs when a guy like Brandon Fields goes. And a guy like Matt Cotto, I, I really, that really shocked me that he's leaving. And the Fields thing didn't surprise me at all, though, because he already tried to leave earlier this season. Here's the thing, guys. You're going to see the transfer portal become even more prevalent in college baseball than any other college sport. And I'll tell you why, and I made a clip about this a few days ago, but I just want to reiterate this point. In football, right, let's say Ryan Holinsky. Let's just take him for an example because he transferred, was a big-time prospect, whatever. Ryan Holinsky was not going to transfer to a Coastal Carolina. He wasn't going to transfer to a Wofford. He wasn't going to transfer to, God forbid, a junior college or a community college. He's a guy that, like, wanted to stay Power 5. And I totally respect that because here's the thing. To get drafted in football – you kind of need to be at that level. You know, it's very hard to, to say, I'm going to go transfer to Wofford and get drafted, right? Because you're not playing the best of the best competition. That's not the case in baseball. I mean, you can literally go to a JUCO. You can go to a community college. If you're good enough, you will get drafted. There's no question. You can go to Coastal. You can go to CFC. You can go to Wofford. You can go to... You know, D1, D2, D3, NAIA, it literally does not matter. These guys have so many options when it comes to opportunities to play. So if you're expecting a kid to sit on the bench for two or three years to get his shot, guys, it's just not going to happen in baseball. It's just not. Now, like I said, with the Brandon Fields thing, I'm surprised he's leaving from the standpoint of, you know, he was probably going to be one of our starting outfielders next year. Mag Cotto, I think he could have realistically battled for a spot in the weekend rotation, at minimum, been one of our top, you know, bullpen arms on the weekend. But here's the thing. Mark Kingston can't make him stay, guys. He, he can't. He can't. If they don't want to stick it out and battle for a job and win a job, he can't make them stick it out. He can't do it. And I don't think, you know, listen, I, I wish these guys nothing but the best. You got to do what's best for you. You can't get drafted sitting on the bench, right? You, you just, you can't. You got to play. You got to play. But as far as this season, you know, people I see complaining about the Brandon Fields thing, which it's crazy. Rarely do you see a guy get that hyped up in baseball as far as a prospect or a recruit or whatever. Most of the time, that's only saved for football. 
But Brandon Fields came in with a lot of buzz, a lot of hype. Dude, I saw a fan rocking a Brandon Fields custom-made Carolina jersey at Founders Park this season. A little aggressive, but I appreciate the passion, and I truly respect it. But it's just a situation of, hey, if a guy didn't want to try to compete and win a job, I mean, Brandon Fields, no offense, he got a shot this year. He started against Mercer, and what did he do? He struck out four of six at-bats, guys. He looked terrible. Looked like he didn't belong on this level. Who should he have replaced in the lineup? Brady Allen? Andrew Eister? Seitler? I mean, who? So, you know, it's just baseball, man. It happens. Guys are going to move around. They're going to transfer. They're going to go pursue other opportunities. It sucks because I would have loved to have seen Fields develop. And I think he's – I don't think he's making a mistake. I think that's a harsh way to put it. But, you know, I think he still could have had a really good career here. And it's unfortunate he won't see it play out, but it is what it is. got to let guys do their thing. So, again, I don't think – I say all that to say this. I don't think the program is crumbling or is is falling apart. It happens in baseball every single year. You know, people don't remember. It happened during Ray Tanner's time. Remember Lonnie Chisenhall? Remember all that shit that went down? Guys getting suspended. Ethan Carter, good buddy of mine. But shit happened with Ray Tanner, too. I mean, nobody's immune from it. You're going to see guys transferring from every single school. And, hey, here's the kicker. They don't have to sit out. I mean, that's another thing, another piece of this. They don't have to sit out wherever they go. So, and, you know, I, I, I know there's going to be people that comment and say, oh, it's just a new school culture. They're soft. They're, they're snowflakes. If you want to say that, fine. But like I said, guys, when I played, guys transferred too. If you're not playing a lot of times in baseball, you are going to transfer. I mean, if you're really not like that attached to the school, which I doubt Brandon Fields and, you know, Cotto and whatever Loonsman were, if you're not playing and you're not like attached to the school, it's not like your dream school, you're not in love with the school, you're going to go find another opportunity elsewhere. <laughs> you're going to go somewhere else you can play. So it, it happens all over the country. It's going to continue to happen, and I wish those guys were the best. But again, the program is not crumbling. The program's fine. It's just a couple of transfers. If Will Sanders was transferring, I'd be worried. Okay? If, if Braylon Wimmer was transferring, I'd be worried. But that's not the case. You got three guys who aren't playing, who want to find better better situations. Can't blame them for it. Again, wish them nothing but the best. Hope they have tons of success. With that being said, guys, one last note, and I'll get us out of here. One last note, and I just want to speak really quickly on the Bobcast and stuff. Because here's the thing. I was posting about this a lot on social media yesterday, and I almost I, I actually did. I got tired of posting about it because I'm like, damn, dude, like I want to talk about sports. Like, I don't want to talk about this cast and stuff, you know? And of course, I mean, I I I have to and want to touch on it because it involves USC and it, it impacts us all, right? It impacts us all. And our Cox and Cola guys, shout out to Ethan Kelly, wrote a fantastic article that's on the website. And they'll be putting out a podcast soon. This is right up their alley, actually. So I can't wait for their content to roll out on this. But, you know, of course, I, I want to give my thoughts and opinions on it as well. <clears throat> but, you know, we've seen it in sports before, and I equate it to this. But we've seen it in sports. When an organization is rotten, right, when things are not going well, an organization is just rotten. Let's take the NFL, for example. You see a bad organization. I'm not talking about a team that just every now and then, you know, has some bad years, ups and downs, whatever. 
I'm talking about organizations that haven't been to the playoffs in 20 years. Organizations that, that for whatever reason, they just cannot get out of their own way. Why is that? Well, it goes much further and much deeper than just, oh, who's the starting quarterback? Oh, who's the OC? Oh, who's the head coach? Guys, when an organization is corrupt or is crumbling or has those type of issues, it starts at the core. It starts with leadership. It starts with people in positions of power. It starts with the GM. It starts with the owner. Those people. And I think what you're seeing right now at the University of South Carolina, like it or not, is a reflection of that same thing. People in positions of power that have made decisions to appoint people to certain positions, to appoint people to those set positions that maybe they didn't even deserve or they didn't know what the hell was going on. You know, South Carolina has its issues. South Carolina has things that are not going the way they should be. And instead of looking at head coaches, instead of looking at athletes, instead of looking at coordinators, instead of looking at, you know, professors or even administrators, going above, above, above to the top of the food chain. Because, hey, like, for example, a business, a sales organization. Hey, I could say what I do. You know, if I had a bunch of contributors and they were putting out shitty articles and putting out shitty content, it'd probably be because I was a shithead. It'd be because I had issues. I was corrupt. It would reflect, it would come from me down, right? It would trickle down from me. You have a sales organization. You have bad company culture. That company culture doesn't start with the employee. The employee just does what he, what he sees. Monkey see, monkey do. He reflects what's around him. He's a mirror. He or she, I should say, is a mirror. If it's a bad company culture, if it's corrupt, if it's, it starts at the top. It starts at the very top. It's the same thing here. And, and listen, I'm not sitting here saying fire Bob Castlin or, oh, retain Bob Castlin. Like, I'm, I, I, you know, and I had somebody ask me that. I don't know. Like, I, I don't really know. Like I said, I'm, I'm not really strongly on one side or the other. I can tell you this, though. Because we saw the stuff with the resignation stuff. I mean, if he wants to resign, they need to let him walk. <laughs> they need to let him walk, bro, because it is only going to make it worse having a guy be president that has literally expressed he's ready to go. And even when he made the comment in his interview of saying, if the board wants me to resign, I will. You don't say that if you want to keep your job. You don't even bring that up. You only bring that up if you know that's about to happen or you want that to happen. Bottom line. And so, you know, listen, I'm not one. I don't believe in cancel culture. I, you know, cancel culture is a made-up thing. It, you know, people think if you make one mistake, you, should, you shouldn't be able to make a living and you should just be wiped off the face of the earth. And, and you know whatever cancel culture has become a thing in 2021 and beyond it's on social media whatever so i've seen some people saying oh you know it's cancel culture on bob castlin and like on one hand like i kind of see what you're saying but at the same time like there's just been repeated actions of incompetency 
just pure incompetency being shown by those in charge from the Darla Moore thing to calling the University of South Carolina, the University of California at the commencement to plagiarizing the speech that he damn sure as well knew he was doing to going all the way back to when he got elected and how it happened. Again, I've got no beef with Bob Kasten. I have no personal beef with this guy. None. But man, I mean, at some point, if you can't figure it out and you can't stop stubbing your own toe and shooting yourself in the foot and making a mockery of the university that you are president of, Maybe this isn't the job for you, bro. Maybe maybe we ought to find somebody else. I don't know. And I'll tell you who I feel really, really bad for. Because as you guys all know, I'm not an alumni. I'm a diehard Gamecock fan. I love the University of South Carolina, but I'm not an alumni. I feel for the alumni. And I'm sure a lot of you tuned in are alums. I feel for y'all, bro. I, I feel for y'all. I feel for y'all. Because... As an alumni, I know, I know talking to people and just, you know, I'm an alumni of my high school. I know it's not the same, but you have that deep-rooted connection. Like, your name will forever be on a degree, a diploma from the University of South Carolina. That will forever. That's something nobody can take away, for better or for worse. So you will forever be connected and be tied to that university forever and ever and ever and ever and ever, no matter what. And so for somebody like Bob Cassidy to be doing what he's doing and have going on what's going on from the Darla Moore thing to the latest, I, I feel for the alums because I know for you guys, it's frustrating. It's infuriating. It's embarrassing. There's just no other way to spin it, and there's no way to sugarcoat it. So, again, I can't wait to see what happens because this is just like – this is better than any TV drama I've ever seen. I mean, it's crazy. It's crazy what's going down right now. It's nuts. You know, there's more drama off the field than there, than there is on the field right now. And, again, I've had people ask me, well, Chris, how do you how do, you do five shows a week? Like, don't you, don't you run out of stuff to talk about? Like – I'm like, have you ever followed the University of South Carolina? There's just stuff going on constantly. Just constantly. It's insane. It's absolutely insane how much crap goes on with the University of South Carolina on and off the field. So, again, I, it'll, it'll be really interesting to see how this Bob Castle thing plays out, man. I, I have no idea. And if I, had to make, if I had to make a prediction, I mean, I think it would have been, here's what they should have done. Bob Castle should just put out a blanket apology for everything that happened and tried to sweep this under the rug as quickly as he possibly could. Because I know that we, we hate when others do that. We hate when... You know, people like, you know, when we've seen it with Clemson and Dabo and the Osterine thing and other situations where they just like, they sweep it under the rug and it just goes away. And you're like, how can they just get away with that? But that's the best way to approach things. From a PR standpoint, if you just ignore it long enough, it'll just go away. I mean, the Darla Moore thing, the Darla Moore thing, it did go away. It went away. After like four days, it, nobody was talking about Darla Moore anymore. But now with this, 
bro, this just feels like something that's just going to drag out and drag out and drag on and drag on. And at some point, you've either got to kill it or you got to make a change. So who knows, man? Who knows what tactic they take? It'll be interesting to see. It, it's, it's just wild. Just, and if I was a student, if you're a student tuning, I'd be pissed off too. Because hey, students get booted from school for plagiarizing. I mean, they, they get the worst punishment if they forget to cite stuff. And the president of the university is going to do it, and he's going to get a slap on the wrist, or he's going to have nothing happen? It's a bad look. It's a bad, bad look all the way around, man. So who knows what will happen. But again, I'm going to go ahead and wrap up the show, guys. That's it. Appreciate you all tuning in. Uh, again, thank you so much for the love and support, supporting the content. You guys have been awesome all throughout baseball season, man, and we're not done yet. Like I said, quick reminder, giveaways that are happening via social media, merchandise on TSUS.store, merchandise in Rivals in Florence, South Carolina. Be sure to check that out. And all of the content rolling all week, of course, guys, the podcast, the Daily Crow, everything we got happening. Oh, by the way, one last thing. We have got some hella amazing interviews in studio upcoming for you guys over the next week or two. So stay tuned to that, guys. Again, thank you so much for tuning in. Have a great rest of your Wednesday, and we'll talk to you tomorrow. Everyone is talking about magnesium. It's all you hear about. But why? What do we know about magnesium? Well, magnesium is the number one mineral that 75% of Americans are deficient in. If you are a woman over 35, magnesium will help you rediscover balance, energy, and vitality. Magnesium supports more than 300 enzymatic reactions in your body, including those involved in hormonal balance. From functional medicine doctors to mental well-being and female hormone experts, we all know that magnesium is the one mineral to improve all aspects of well-being and health. But which one? Magnesium Breakthrough from Bioptimizers. The trusted choice recommended by leading experts with seven best-absorbed forms of magnesium to ensure your body receives the support it needs for overall well-being. Go to bioptimizers.com balance today and use code BALANCE10 for 10% off. Support your journey to wellness at B-I-O-P-T-I-M-I-Z-E-R-S dot com forward slash balance. Magnesium Breakthrough from Bioptimizers, your foundation to optimal health and vitality.